I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the Nation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO, a Wednesday night edition of the Hawkeye Nation radio show, as uh, we decided to give ourselves and, and you all Thursday off. And uh, hey, it's a short week for the football team. It should be a short week for us, too. We'll move everything up a day. And we're here on a Wednesday night with you talking Hawkeyes for the next hour. My name is Andrew Downs, and I am not alone. I'm joined by my good friend, the Grand Poobah of the uh, Polk County Eye Club <laughs> and our fearless leader over at HawkeyeNation.com. It's Joe Schmelke. What's up, Joe? Hey, man. Just uh, just enjoying life. Got the kids back from college. They're both sophomores at Iowa, so... That's a nice thing, and uh, man, enjoying this four-game winning streak. Great basketball team. They're off to a good start. Uh, the women's team's looking pretty good. Wrestling's good. I don't know, man. It's great to be a, an Iowa fan. Right yes, now. it is. Yeah, man. Things are good in Hawkeye Nation, and uh, and and nowhere better than than on the football field, where you know a month ago, Joe, I, I feel like you and I on this show. Oh. We're, we 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 stayed pretty measured. I, th- I think all things considered, you know, we were critical of the things that that needed to be critical about. But you and I, for for a month now, have been talking about, hey, let's let this play out. Let's take a breath. Let's not make any rash, you know, decisions on uh, the the legacy of, of Kirk Ferentz or the state of the program or anything like this. Let's let this season play out. Allow things to happen. And uh, and 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 we knew going into Big Ten West play. These other teams just aren't all that good. The Big Ten West is down this year, and uh, and we had five winnable games in front of us. Now, I wouldn't have bet a month ago, Joe, that we'd be sitting here on a four-game win streak, but I'm glad we are. And, and, and I, again, I think you and I kind of stayed pretty measured in this whole thing, uh, all things considered. Yeah, I, I, I think we had a little more patience. Um, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened with Kirk. Uh, he's shown he can kind of right the ship or whatever. And I think, you know, we were able to take a look at it and say, you know, it's a really young offensive line. It's it's not. I, don't, I still to this day don't believe it's play calling. I think Brian called one of the best games uh, he could call uh, this past week and early last year or four weeks. I think he's done a really good job. Um, we have a really young, inexperienced, somewhat beat up, as every team is this time of the year, offensive line. And, um you know, they've got to understand you're going to have a rebuilding year every once in a while. You're not going to hit every recruiting year perfectly. Uh, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have a lot of stuff happen. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just part, it's part of life. It's part of being a football program. And, and people just got to have some patience. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, obviously very glad. I think any real Hawkeye fan is very glad that this thing has turned around uh, Andrew and and we are playing well and we are winning games and you know there's some people out there I I don't really understand them you know they're they're all down on Brian it's almost like they want us to be bad so that Brian moves on someplace and that, that, that's just craziness so um, let's keep winning let's get back to the Big Ten championship game yeah it'd be a big upset. But who knows, right? That, you got to get there first. You gotta get there. That's right. That's why they play the games, and uh, and and we'll certainly talk more about that as we move through the show here tonight. But uh, lo- looking back before we look ahead, Joe, and and you and I didn't do a show last week. Um, a lot going on here in, in both of our lives, and, and so we haven't really discussed that that twenty four ten win over Wisconsin a whole lot, uh, and, and we won't spend a whole lot of time on that because this Minnesota game was one of the more bizarre games, uh, even in a bizarre season, uh, and and a team like Iowa who who wins games like this um, fairly often. Th- this one is one for the books. I mean, t- w- going into the game, I think we were all worried about 
Mohamed Ibrahim and and what he was going to do. He's one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, one of the best in the country, and uh, and and if you could just stop him, it felt like. Uh, you could get over on this Minnesota team. But if you couldn't stop him, it felt like it was going to be a long day. Well, it was a long day on Saturday up in Minneapolis. Iowa could not stop him. Iowa's defensive line uh, got manhandled at times by that big Minnesota offensive line. Uh, Iowa just... Uh, now, now the good thing is we didn't allow him to break any giant runs for touchdowns, and and for Cooper DeGene and and the other guys to be able to to track him down after 30, 40, 50 yard runs, I think was obviously huge. Uh, but Mohamed Ibrahim did what he wanted to do: two hundred and sixty three yards on almost forty carries. Did have the one touchdown in the first half, but. Those stats don't matter as much as the final score. And the bottom line is this defense never gave up, even on that long 16-play drive where they were tired and they were kind of getting owned by the offensive line. They never gave up. They made the plays when they needed to make them, and uh, and and a thirteen to ten win is is the result. What what an incredible game Saturday afternoon up in Minneapolis. Yeah, I mean, you know, you ultimately you got to have your playmakers make plays. And sometimes that's on offense, and sometimes that's on defense. And sometimes it's a little bit of both, right? Sometimes it's your field goal kicker making a, a long field goal to win the game for you. But, you know, our playmakers made a play. I mean, uh, you know, Riley Moss jumps in there, busts that route, knocks the ball up in the air, and uh, and Campbell intercepts it. Um, you know, two of our best defensive players make a play, mm-hmm. right? That ultimately wins the game. Uh, Campbell knocked the ball loose down there, you know, um, yeah, you carry the ball 40 times, kid's unreal. I mean, he's unbelievable player. There's no doubt about it. And their offensive line, they were just a beast, right? Our defensive line, if it does have a weakness, it's that we're a little undersized. And that was not a great matchup maybe for us. Luckily, we had nine guys um, rotating in and out at defensive line, and, and they still had some energy you know, there at the end. To, to you know to, to hold them a little bit or, or, or hold them off long enough for one of their guys to make a mistake. They missed the field goal the first half. They fumbled in the second half, and they threw an interception in the second half. We had no turnovers, no penalties. You know that's that's how. You know, Fleck even said it. He goes, "That's how Iowa beats you. They patiently wait for you to make a mistake, and when you make a mistake, somebody takes advantage of it, and and we did." And, and, and let's not kid ourselves either. I mean, that was a great play call to start the game by Brian. Yes. Uh, the, 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 I'll call it the center tight end screen, um, executed perfectly. Um, you know, boom, we're down. We get off to a good start. Really important for our offense, right? And then the next series, you know, we go right down there as well, and, 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 and we get a touchdown. And then at the very end, um, you know, after they made a bad call, and uh, so the Campbell stepped out of bounds, and clearly he didn't. Um, boom, 33-yard pass right down the middle to Lachey, and that thing just, it, it was fabulous. Great play call, great execution, and boom, wins the game for us. You know, and, so, and Luke Lachey, you, you mentioned him, and, and Sam Laporta had 95 yards on four catches, really all in the first quarter before he went out with that injury, that injury that, that's going to keep him out of this game against Nebraska. And and that I think we would all be a lot more worried about Joe uh, had Luke Lachey not done what he did the rest of that game. He, he's a guy that uh, I think we all knew coming into this season had an opportunity to have kind of a breakout year, and now five catches, 77 yards, that big 33-yarder that, that set up the game-winning field goal that you just referenced was was the biggest of them, uh, but he's going to come into this Nebraska game, which is obviously a must-win game as the number one tight end, and uh, and and I think for the most part, you feel pretty comfortable with that. Of course, you'd rather have Sam Laporta out there. He's maybe Iowa's best player on offense, but Luke Lachey is a a really good tight end, uh, and 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 so you feel pretty comfortable with him. And then Spencer Petrus, uh, the way he's playing right now, and his stats aren't going to jump out. Uh, you know, when when you look nationally at quarterbacks, Spencer Petrus's stats are never going to jump out at you as as elite, but. 15 to 24, 221 yards, uh, no interceptions again, hasn't turned the ball over other than that fumble uh, against Wisconsin, which really wasn't his fault. I mean, Herbig wasn't touched coming in there. Uh, Spencer Peters, ever since getting benched in, in that Ohio State game, 
has found this new confidence. He's throwing the ball better. He's finding receivers better. The offensive line is giving him more time, and that's helping. The receivers have come along. Guys like Brody Brecht have come along, and that's helped him a lot as well. But we're seeing a really confident Spencer Petras, who, again, isn't going to throw for five touchdowns this weekend. But if he can kind of play the way he's played these last four games, you feel pretty good about this offense when paired with this defense and these special teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it, things, things have gotten a lot better since the beginning of the season. We had a very young offensive line, still a young offensive line, right? Offensive line is, is is not a strength right now. But as you look at our receivers, you know, things have come on, right? I mean, uh, Vines is playing now. He's a, he's a guy that the other team's got to really watch out for. they got a defense. Um, obviously, uh, Ragaini is, is, is playing much better. He's got a uh, much quicker than he was. Um, Arnold Bruce still in there. He's playing, you know, to his abilities. And now you got Brody Breck playing. So um, this game's going to be tougher, though. I mean, we're losing. Uh, yeah, we are losing Laporta. He's our, as Kirk says, our best offensive player. He plays a lot of roles. And that two tight end thing has really been working for us. And will our, I guess, our third string tight end, our fourth string tight end, will they be able to come in? and create as much havoc, you know, as, as Laporta and Lachey have been doing. Um, no, they're not going to be. So where are we going to get some additional pickup? You know, Ragaini's going to have to have a, a, a few big catches. I think Vines is close to having a really nice game. Um, you know, it, it seems that Spencer's getting more confidence in him, obviously getting some, some confidence in Brody Breck. Mm-hmm. So I think we can still throw the ball, but, the key's going to come down to this. It, 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 it always does. I think um, we got to run the ball better. Yeah. And when we run the ball better, our offense, have to, we don't have to gain 300 yards. We don't have to have a running back go off like, like Ebron did, but we got to be able to run the ball. We got to gain 100, 150 yards, and, and then the rest of our playbook just functions better. And if we can't run the ball against Nebraska, you know, we're going to, we're going to be in some trouble. Um, that, that's, they're not. They're not a team that's good. Okay, but they're not terrible either. No. I mean, they, they, they're not getting trounced by anybody anymore. I mean, they're in the game. So they play Wisconsin really to a stalemate, and and you know they scored at the end and in these other games. So this is not like you know you look at the records. Oh, we should be able to beat them, right? Well, yeah, but but they're a good team. Just got to keep playing clean, and we got to be able to run the ball some. And I think we'll I think we'll be okay. Yeah, you know, uh, Nebraska certainly has has players, and and you're right, they're not a bad team by any means. It's similar to last year where they've lost so many games uh, by one possession, so many close games. It just feels like they're they're close to breaking through at some point. Uh, but this defense is is just so good. This Hawkeye defense, it's hard to imagine Nebraska putting up a lot of points. And you're exactly right. If Iowa can get the running game going like they did against Purdue where Caleb Johnson ran for 200 yards. Uh, I, I don't think Nebraska's defense is as good as Wisconsin's or Minnesota's. And so you, you like the, the chances of Iowa getting that running game going a little bit and then opening up things for, for the offense. Uh, you, you, we, we talk about the defense over and over again. Uh, why wouldn't you? This, is the, this was the eighth game. This Minnesota game was the eighth game of 11, Joe, where Iowa allowed 10 points or fewer. Now, they lost two of those games. Uh, Iowa State had 10 in that win, and, and Illinois had nine in their win. Uh, but this defense has allowed just 10 points or fewer to eight of the 11 opponents. It's, it's really remarkable. And, and what Jack Campbell is doing right now, and obviously what he did against Minnesota in causing that fumble by, by Ibrahim and then that interception, which, as you said, should have been a pick six, uh, maybe better that it wasn't because it allowed us to run some time off the clock and and kick that field goal with just you know 25 30 seconds left but what what Jack Campbell is doing is is remarkable. He's now a, a Buckus finalist, which uh, you know, the, these postseason awards, you're just never really sure how seriously to take them, but the Buckus Award is one of those that you take seriously. I mean, he's only the third Hawkeye to ever be named a finalist to this. The other two are Larry Station and Josie Jewell, two of the best to ever do it. Uh, no Big Ten linebacker has won this since James Laurinaitis back in 2007. This is a really, really prestigious award, and for Jack Campbell to be a finalist for it really says something. I think Campbell is a lock for 
you know, first team all, all Big Ten, probably first team All American, you know, possibly defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, some of those things. I saw Chad Lysico at the Des Moines Register post something on Saturday after or Saturday evening after Jack Campbell made such a big difference in that game that that he thinks Jack Campbell is the best linebacker in, in Hawkeye history. I, I don't have enough uh, historical precedence to to you know agree or disagree with that. It's there have just been so many great Iowa linebackers. Where, where would you rank? I mean, and not even rank, but just kind of where does Jack Campbell stand? Is he among the elite uh, of even the Ferentz era when we talk about guys like Josie Jewell and Abdul Hodge and Chad Greenway and Pat Angerer? I mean, in, in your mind, is Jack Campbell right there with with that type of a player? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think the thing that that to me does make him probably the best in the Ferentz era. I mean, Chad Greenway obviously great athlete and he had some size too, but Campbell is a beast. Yeah. I mean, he's six foot five. He's got a wingspan. Um, he doesn't miss tackles. Uh, um, I'm going to say he's probably faster than Josie Jewell. Um, you know, he's, he's just, he's just an amazing athlete, right? Probably could be an all American tight end. had he decided to go that way. I mean, the, the guy's phenomenal and, and, and his motor, his, his, his stamina is just phenomenal. I mean, he, he go out there, he's on special teams. You know, he's running down there, chasing the punk guy down, and, the, and, and um, uh, you know, he's, he's on the field all the time. Think of how many snaps he was out there. Um, you know, never substitutes. Um, just making play after play. doesn't matter whether the Ibrahim gained, you know, 10 yards or he gained two yards. I mean, Campbell was around the ball, making the tackle, disrupting something. Um, no, I, I think he's, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you made me pick him and rank him, I would, I would take Campbell first. Uh, just, you know, his, his sheer size and athletic ability, um, is, is, is just phenomenal. And, and then he's got that same attitude as an anger or Greenway or Josie Jewell. I mean, he's a student of the game. No, he knows where the play's going before they even hike the ball half the time. I mean, those guys are just, they're just, they watch the film. They do so much of the extra stuff, right? Um, not just going out there and playing, but they're so well prepared. And, and, uh, he, he's a ton of fun to watch. I mean, our defense is, is just, you know, it's just excellent. Um, it was, it was just a ton of fun to watch. You can talk all the yards you want from the 10 yard line to the other 10 yard line. But at the end of the day, it's how many times that team scores, and they only scored 10 points. And that's the ultimate stat. It's just like on offense. You can talk about yards per play, mm-hmm. yards and yards whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, the ultimate stat for anything is how many points you score and how many points you hold your opponent to in any game. And if you do that, you're, you're going to win. And some teams – Look at the Bears, you know, back in their defense. It was their defense, wasn't their offense. I mean, they had a good offense, better than what we've got, certainly. But but my point is, is they don't win the Super Bowl, you know, without a great defense. Cowboys don't win Super Bowls without great defense. you got to have a really good defense to win. And, um, and, 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 and we have that. So we're very, very fortunate to have guys. You know, uh, like Campbell, like Riley Moss, uh, Cooper DeGene continues to make plays. Uh, this defensive line, I mean, it's just a, it's a new guy. Seems like every week, right? Van Ness makes a play. Craig makes a play. We got some guys I don't even know their last names. 49. <laughs> um, yeah, they're just, they're just a ton of fun to watch. And, uh, um, people that, that don't appreciate it and think you got to score 30 points to win a football game. No, that's that's not Kirk Ferentz's style, and we're not going to win scoring thirty points a football game. Certainly not this year, but even most years, that's that's not our that's not our style. It's not how we play. So. He is Joe Schmoka. I'm Andrew Downs. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. So if you've missed any of our conversations so far, check it out the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com. While you're there, check out the great work being done by Rob Howe and Rick Brown and John Bonencamp and uh, and all the cool things we have going on as, as we talked about at the start of the show. This is a busy time, a great time in Hawkeye Nation with basketball and wrestling and football and uh, everybody kind of feeling good right now, riding high. Uh, we are going to 
talk a little bit more about this upcoming Nebraska game on Black Friday, as well as a potential return trip to Indianapolis, and maybe get into a little hoops here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. It's all when we come back here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's get to this week's game. Iowa riding a four-game winning streak into the final home game of the season. Black Friday against Nebraska with a second straight Big Ten West division title and a trip to Indianapolis in the Big Ten championship game on the line. Kickoff inside Kinnick Stadium set for 3 o'clock. At last check, the Hawkeyes are 10.5-point favorites. And my guest today covers the Huskers for KLIN Radio in Lincoln. It's my buddy Caleb Henry. Caleb, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, AD? Love talking to you once a year here. We should probably talk more than once a year, but, you know. We should. We should. But, hey, this this, <laughs> this keeps us in touch. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, before we get into this game specifically, man, it's been quite a season for, for Nebraska. From the early loss to Northwestern and Ireland, the firing of Scott Frost, a couple of wins before this current five-game losing streak. What's it been like this fall in Lincoln? Man, it's been, like, as there always is, there's that weird amount of optimism before the season that you think things might be a little bit different. Um, and Nebraska went through, got a bunch of transfers, and a lot of the contributors still at this point in the year are the transfers. I hate to think of what the year would look like without them. Um, but then everything just goes downhill in Dublin against Northwestern. And you think, all right, well, I, I guess maybe Northwestern will be good. We've come to learn they're not. Um you struggle against North Dakota, lose to Georgia Southern, then Scott Frost is out. And then it's been months on months on months of a coaching search. Is Mickey Joseph going to get the job? But he's also a former quarterback. So do you just try to keep everything in the family? Then you, you play really well offensively, but lose at Purdue. But then you lose your starting quarterback, and then your best wide receiver is pretty much not effective from there. Um, should have beaten Illinois. And I'll still say this, anyone with a competent offense should beat Illinois. Um, Nebraska should have. It just, it, it feels like the same old thing where one side of the ball will play okay. The other side of the ball will just be kind of garbage. And then it'll alternate on who's doing what for each week. So it's been its own adventure. And that's saying something for what we've seen from Nebraska football the last six, seven years. There's no doubt about that, man. There have been some really close games last week against Wisconsin is, is one of them. Uh, are, are you seeing kind of the same issues holding Nebraska back in these close games as we saw last season where they lost so many one score games? So I think there is a small difference. So like last year you got to, you got to sometime in the fourth quarter and you would just get a pit in your stomach. You knew something was going to go wrong because there's no way the leadership on, on those teams not last year, in the last few years was going to be enough to, to buckle things down. And it just felt inevitable um, on this last weekend, which it was my birthday. So I was like, Oh sweet. I can go hang out home game <laughs> division game. Everything will be fine. Right. Well, it got late enough in there, and I went, Nebraska needs to score because the offense has been um, not on the field enough, and the defense has been out there too long. They're just going to get tired, and guys are getting a little bit beat up. Um, it, to a point, it felt inevitable, but in a very different way. It just felt like Wisconsin had game-planned better to lean on that run game at exactly the right time late, right when Nebraska was getting tired. And it felt in a different way of getting that one-score loss as opposed to what you had seen previously. You go a couple weeks uh, before that, and you had Minnesota, where you're rolling out a backup quarterback, and at one point in the game, you had seven consecutive three-and-outs, and then you made a, a full-time change with which backup quarterback you wanted to go with. So there have been times where it's this is a, a 
interim head coach who's not been at this level in this position trying to learn. Mm. So there's been the personnel decisions. Last week against Wisconsin, Wisconsin got the ball to start the second half, and Nebraska took the wind in the third quarter instead of having the wind at their back, which was 22 miles an hour gusts over 30, instead of having the gust at their back in the fourth quarter where Wisconsin got it right as Nebraska was running out of air itself. So it's little coaching decisions as a guy who's trying to learn it as opposed to a guy who should have already known how to make all these decisions the previous four-plus years. You know, from from afar, watching you on Twitter, just kind of keeping keeping tabs on this team, you've seen a lot of that quarterback play that you just talked about. Uh, Purdy and Smothers. Is, is Casey Thompson the quarterback coming into this week? Uh, do you expect anybody else to, to take snaps against Iowa? No, it's got to be Casey Thompson. And if it's not Casey Thompson, Nebraska's in trouble. Now, Logan Smothers played all right against Iowa, if we remember yeah. from a year ago. Um, and part of that was just really well game planned. Ultimately it didn't go in Nebraska's favor, but when you game plan for a guy who to that point in his career, and even up until points this year, it was, can he be depended on to make some big throws when he needs to? Um, and the answer to that was in unequivocal, no, but he's made some big throws this year to where we go. Okay. If it does get to a backup, Logan Smothers can make all the throws that Chubba Purdy can, and his eyes don't get real big in the moment. Um, so that's why, and Chubba Purdy is actually out with an injury for the rest of this year. So it would be Smothers if Casey Thompson can't go. And then it becomes a redshirt walk-on freshman, Jarrett Sinek, um, from a, a town in central Nebraska. He's listed third on the depth chart right now, um, ahead of your scholarship redshirt freshman and your scholarship freshman, Heinrich Harburg and Richard Torres. Um, obviously both of those guys brought in by not this athlete or not this offensive coordinator and not this interim head coach. So they're not getting a whole lot of run. It's Casey Thompson or bust. And that's really what it is. Cause there's not a bowl game. You see what you can get from Casey and the offense just works a lot better with him out there. Um, now he's been banged up cause the offensive line hasn't been the most reliable, but the offense has a big playability with him that they have not had with any other quarterback behind center. You're looking at the offensive stats. You got Anthony Grant, who's you know closing in on a thousand yard season. Trey Palmer, the receiver, closing in on a thousand yards receiving. Uh, what what does Nebraska try to do it, w- when the offense looks good? What does the Nebraska offense look like? So when the offense has looked good, and it's looked good in different ways. So if you go to the Purdue game, it was, man, I don't care, just throw it up. Trey Palmer's down there somewhere. And that's what it was. That's why Trey Palmer had like 200 yards receiving or something and a bunch of touchdowns and he kept Nebraska in that game. Um, but that hasn't necessarily been the offense. So when the offense has looked good, Anthony Grant has been involved where he'll get a couple run plays here and there, but then they'll throw it out to him in the flat and give him the ball in space and he'll run over um, a defensive back. And then they'll spread the ball around, get Travis Vocal like the tight end involved, maybe Maurice Washington, one of the other wideouts. And then you'll try to find spots to get Trey Palmer involved. He just really hasn't been for the last month or so. Um, When the offense is rolling, everything is scripted. So to start out a game or to start out a half, they've done a really good job of figuring out where they can move the ball and move it effectively. Where the offense has not looked good is literally any other parts in the game where they have to get off script. When you get into a late game situation and you need a drive, um, when you throw a backup quarterback out there and he can't do the same things. Um, so I, I mean, if you're looking to Friday, man, Nebraska should look good on like the first offensive possession, whether or not they score that they'll probably look decent. And then after that, it's man, I hope that they can call some plays and get something going because this is going to be probably the best defense Nebraska's seen all season. It's good advice to Hawkeye fans. If Nebraska looks good on that first <laughs> drive, just take a breath. It's a long game. Uh, d- defensively, Nebraska's got to be confident that they can hold Iowa's offense at least somewhat in check uh, because Iowa's offense just isn't very good. What what has been the strength of the defense this season? Uh, I mean, it's so hard to say because literally everyone, you go early on in the year um, before the defensive coordinator was also fired, Eric Janander. So there's an interim defensive coordinator, Bill Bush. That's right. The special teams coordinator. Um, And the defense has looked better. But if you go back to those first few games, Georgia Southern famously known for how many passes they want to throw in a game was able to rip off chunk runs. 
Um, you go to that Purdue game and you had the, uh, the true freshman Maccabee running all over Nebraska and there was just no way to stop them. You, you've had some injuries, some linebackers banged up. Um, so you do have several young guys that are starting in positions. You've got Malcolm Hartzog, who I believe has four interceptions on this year. He's a true freshman in the secondary. Isaac Gifford, who's an underclassman, he'll play kind of that nickel and linebacker area. Um, there's a lot of underclassmen that you'll see in positions and guys that just haven't had the experience because they've been banged up and you graduated a lot of super seniors off of last year's team. The strength is probably if teams do put the ball in the air deep. And that, that and a lot of teams haven't had to do that. So Nebraska's defense does get picked apart. If you can run a lot of quick slants, think Purdue, think Georgia Southern, or if you can just lean on your run game long enough until Nebraska gets tired, think Minnesota, think Wisconsin. Um, so it, Nebraska has stopped the run at times, but it hasn't been complimentary football enough that the defense can hold up over four quarters. You know, in years past, it's it's been the little things, the details that have allowed Iowa to run up this seven-game streak in this rivalry. H- how is Nebraska this season when it comes to things like special teams, turnovers, penalties? So special teams has been greatly improved, actually, this year. You had last week. Now, I, I talked about the wind, but Brian Buscini, the punter, um, who was uh, came from an FCS school this last year and was one of the best, if not the best, specialists last year, uh, he had a 74-yard punt. The wind caught it a little bit, but anytime you can get something 70-plus, that feels pretty good, flip the field. And, uh, and then Wisconsin went down and had to attempt a field goal from there. So the special teams has been pretty good. The field goal unit is so-so. They try to not roll them out there. Nebraska's offense also hasn't put them in a lot of field goal positions anyway. Um, but from the punt standpoint, the kickoff standpoint, they're not giving up like these really back-breaking plays on that third of the game, penalties have been kind of the same way. It's greatly improved from a year ago. There were times that you knew if Nebraska got a penalty on a drive, the whole drive was done because now they're behind the chains. And it hasn't been that way this year because Casey Thompson and and Trey Palmer and then Anthony Grant can break something. These guys have come in and they found ways to – to take advantage of now we're in a different position than we were. It's no longer a, a second and four, it's a second and nine, but now we've got a little bit more space to work. So those little details have actually been better, but it's just the lingering issues of not having guys that, that can tackle in a way that you need to in the big 10, especially in the big 10 West. So do, are they swarming enough to the ball? You're really hit and miss on that. Sometimes you'll see a guy who could have made a play in the backfield not wrap up and try an arm tackle. And as a matter of fact, that's, that's what got Nebraska beat um, several times earlier in the year that they could have had somebody in the backfield and they just didn't. And then the drive continues and the defense has to stay out there a long time. So it's mostly the, the offense staying on the field a little bit defense being able to get off the field, but those little things of, of the penalties, not having the back breaking turnovers, even those have not been an issue this year just Nebraska doesn't have a very good football team, even with those not being issues. You know, no bowl game uh, com- coming this year. It, it doesn't seem like Mickey Joseph is playing for a job or anything like that. What, what's at stake for Nebraska in this game? Yeah, you got to win the you got to win the Iowa game. There, there are a lot of people that now that you know there's no bowl game, and you know it's not Mickey Joseph who's going to end up with a job. And who knows, maybe he does. It's a crapshoot at this point. Um, we, we just expect an announcement sometime this weekend. Um, please make an announcement before the transfer portal window opens. Yes. Um, we, we've had enough of a coach search for three months. But what's on the line is you got to beat Iowa. Those are, those are the neighbors there. The amount of people that I know that have family in Iowa or there are Iowa fans living here in Nebraska – you win this game and you get to hold that over your opponent. And Nebraska hasn't had that for over half a decade. Now we can talk about the fact that Nebraska volleyball is playing for a conference championship and they've literally never lost to Iowa in the sport of volleyball (laughs) in the history of the earth. Like that's all fun. We can do all of that, but football still takes the headlines. So you have to go win this game. Give yourself bragging rights Keep Iowa from winning the division. Yep. You can play spoiler. So Nebraska's been in that position enough times now where it's like, hey, go play spoiler, and then they just don't. Wisconsin got bowl eligible. 
last week on Nebraska and technically needed that win to keep their division hopes alive and not everything went their way after that. But you can go play spoiler and keep Iowa out of the Big Ten championship game. That's enough of a bragging right thing to take into the offseason when you don't have a bowl game to look forward to. It's what's so great about these college football rivalries, the, these regional rivalries that, that seem to be going away more and more as, as the sport changes, but you're exactly right. Uh, even in a, in a mostly lost season for Nebraska, there is still something at stake in this Black Friday game, and that's keeping one of your biggest rivals out of the Big Ten championship <laughs> game, right? It's, it's holding that over Iowa yeah. for another year, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, Caleb, a Appreciate this. Uh, be, before I let you go, did want to just ask one men's basketball question. Obviously, Fred Hoiberg uh, is a big name over here, and he got kind of the same vote of confidence um, that that Scott Frost got in the offseason. We saw how short of a leash Scott Frost had. What, what do you think Fred Hoiberg needs to do this season to keep his job with the basketball team? Man, I really think he needs to go 500, and, and part of that is how you how you look going 500. So you go to the the team's only lost so far on the year before they head to Orlando uh, and take on a gauntlet. That's going to be that ESPN events invitational. The only loss is a St. John's and it was on the road and you were in that game. As a matter of fact, leading at halftime and then just had a second half collapse. You want to try to figure out how things can improve Arkansas pine bluff. The next game was not like, they're not a world beater of an opponent, but you were down at halftime and then you ran away for a 24 point win can the team come together in a way because you add so many transfers or guys that haven't played together. And that's just kind of been the, the Hoiberg formula. Can you get those guys to come together um, in the second half and have somebody say, Hey, we're not letting this get away from us. It works a little bit the same way with football where they just haven't had somebody do that over the last several years. But in basketball, these, there's some really good guys. You've got a hometown kid in Sam Greasel who's coming back. Who's a six, seven point guard. Um, and you've got some other guys who can fill it up. Nebraska's got size this year that they haven't had in probably a decade plus. I don't know if it's the same size that can hold up in the Big Ten, but it's something that's going to keep Nebraska competitive. And um, so I think if Nebraska can win the majority of their non-conference games, which is still going to be really, really hard to do, and then try to get to 500 in what is, again, the Big Ten Conference, where it's hard to come out and get a bunch of wins. Um, I expect Nebraska to just be a lot more competitive this year than they were a year ago. I'm hoping Hoiberg can get the team to 500. He is Caleb Henry. You can follow him on Twitter at iCalebHenry. Check out his work at KLIN Radio, his morning show, LNK Today, the KLIN Husker Hour every Saturday. Uh, Caleb, I always appreciate the time, man. It's always fun to talk to you. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do this more often than once a year, okay? Hey, love it, AD. You guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Back in black here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Andrew Downs, Joe Schmelka here on 106.3 KSNO. If you've missed any of our conversation, we talked a lot about the Iowa-Minnesota uh, game and and how Iowa's run through these uh, this four-game winning streak. Uh, 14 in a row now in November, which is incredible. Uh, it, it all dates all the way back to early November of 2019. I mean, th- this program, uh, the culture of this program is in such a good spot right now, especially after a tumultuous couple of years. You feel really good about this uh, this football team, but uh, we're going to look ahead now a little bit here as we uh, as we move to Black Friday afternoon, a three o'clock kick inside Kinnick Stadium, a senior day. It's going to be a, a raucous crowd. It's going to be a lot of fun. The energy in there is going to be high uh, because Joe, we got something to play for. Something that again a month ago I don't think anybody would have predicted. I think even now I heard Dan Patrick earlier this week like, hey, who who will Ohio State play in the Big Ten championship game? And well, Iowa? What? How, how is that possible? You know, I, I think even. A lot of people may, may be surprised uh, if Iowa gets through to Nebraska. Yeah, you know, even on Saturday, December, whatever it is, in Indianapolis, people big. Oh, Iowa's the other team, uh, but but you know, there's it, it's wild to think that Iowa is now just one win away from back-to-back Big Ten West titles, back-to-back trips uh, to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, but th- this is a big one on on Friday, Joe, and I think Kinnick's going to be ready for it. Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, I, I think one of the big advantages you have, obviously, the game is at home, right? One. Two, it's senior day. And and guys like Campbell and Riley Moss and Meriwether and, you know, we've got a host of other seniors. 
um, even Spencer. They're ready to rock and roll. They're ready to play. This is a big emotional game for them. Um, so I think that's two. That really gives us, you know, two big things. And I think the third thing here, too, is that, you know, with Nebraska, um, what they got to play for. You know, you can sit there and go, well, this is their bowl game. Eh. <laughs> um, they were they were fighting for it last week. They had a crushing loss last week, okay? I mean, they lost in the last 30 seconds. Um, probably should have won the game. They didn't. It's just been that not even just that kind of a year. Yeah, it's way for three, four, five years now, and and those guys, uh, they got to just be almost emotionally, you know, just hammered. So, barring something crazy to start the game early, like a a, a pick six or a scoop and score or a block punt by Nebraska. I don't think they're they're going to come out with their normal energy, and and I think if our if our defense can just kind of shut them down, our offense can get into a little bit of rhythm, and just you know weather the early part of the game without anything major happening, and we get off to just a decent start, I think we're going to be fine. And um, I think we'll wear them down. Um, I don't see them being able to really run the ball against us, you know, that much. Uh, I think we'll get. I think we'll get some definite pressure on their quarterback. He's pretty beat up, I think. Um, so, I, I, I honestly, I don't like the line normally, but I really like. A lot of people are surprised. Oh my God, it's a ten point. You know, I was a ten point favorite. Are you kidding me? And I, I don't think that's that far off. You know, I really, I think we're the better team, certainly on defense and special teams, and. Uh, um, I, I just I think we got a lot more obviously to play for, and like I said, barring barring you know some turnovers, crazy plays, uh, you know, just Palmer kid just going crazy on us. I, I, I just I, I, I like our chances Saturday. Yeah, I, I do as well. And, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, this Nebraska team will certainly come in with a head of steam and, and yeah, has bragging rights and all this stuff to play for. Uh, but early in that game, if it's not going their way, if they haven't hit some big plays, uh, and if Iowa is just kind of steadily doing what they do, if Iowa is able to put up 10 points in the first quarter like they did at Minnesota last week, you feel like this is a Nebraska t- a team that is potentially full of quit. They don't have a lot to play for. It doesn't seem like Mickey Joseph is is the guy moving forward, so they don't even have that to play for. Um, and this is a team that, you know, again, as you said, is is close in a lot of games, but is not close overall. Uh, they've scored just, just 39 points in the last four games, all losses for them. Iowa has allowed just 36 points in the last four games, all wins for the Hawkeyes. And and these games, the last four in this series, Joe, uh, well, well, most of the time it feels like Iowa's the better team coming in and has more to play for and all of that. They, they've been close games, uh, but the difference has been those details, those small things, the special teams. Teams, uh, the the penalties, the turnovers, and and Iowa is is on a run right now where they're not penalizing themselves a lot. Uh, it's wild, wild that Minnesota game there wasn't a single penalty called on either team, which is is head scratching. But uh, you know that I was not turning the ball over. Uh, the special teams is solid. Drew Stevens is playing really well right now. Uh, Cooper DeGene paired with Tory Taylor on the punt team, getting down there and, and knocking those balls down is incredible. And then Cooper DeGene as as the punt returner uh, has been fantastic. And so uh, even if this does uh, ultimately become a close game late in the game, I still like Iowa chances because of that, that detail-oriented stuff. And, and as I said before, the, the culture that Iowa has built that Nebraska has failed to build since joining the Big Ten. Uh, the, the culture Iowa has right now is these guys believe they can win. Uh, they, they believe in the system. They believe in each other. And so, while I don't expect a close game like you, I, I think that 10-point line is fair. I, I expect an Iowa double-digit win. Maybe something similar to the, the Purdue game, the Northwestern game. You know, a, a 27-7 win. Something like that. I think even if it is close late in the game, Joe, I still have confidence that Iowa is going to find a way as they had the last four times in, in the Heroes game. Yeah, it just um I just, you know, like like I said, there's just there's just too many variables. It's 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 a big game for us. We're at home. I don't see us being tight. I think we also feel real confident in close games, right? We won uh going on here now. We we we've we've won some games towards the end and and we've had a stronger fourth quarter uh than than most of the teams we've been playing. Um, and I, and I think we're confident enough to make just enough big plays. And, and, and really that's what's going on. This team, once again, we're not going to go out and throw the ball, you know, 40 times. 
That's not Kirk Ferentz's style. And we don't have to. He knows the strength of the team. The strength of this team is our defense and our special teams. And uh, we got a really nice field goal kicker. We got a really nice punter. Um, and our and our defense is just you know is just phenomenal. So rely on them. Uh, Nebraska will make mistakes against our defense. Our defense will create mistakes. Is is the other thing. I mean, whether it's a, a pass rush, whether it's Van Ness, you know, hitting the guy or Craig coming in there. Um, so we just we just have to play our game. And uh, you know, we're, we're we're the better team. We're at home, and we truly have something to play for. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to go in there and we're not going to go out there and score 30, 35 points. I, I, I don't think so. But once again, I think if we can get up into the 20s, I've said before on this show, you know, Kirk's record when we score like 18 or more points in a game, some phenomenal stat. Like, I mean, that's like 62 and 8 or something. So, you know, that's our goal. Get to 24 points, uh, 27 maybe, and, and we win the game probably comfortably. Their and, defense, and 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 if you do that, you celebrate again another Big Ten West title. This time uh, on on your home field, that that'll be a lot of fun. And then you sit back yeah. Saturday and you watch Michigan and Ohio State, and you, you get to see who you play uh, in Indianapolis uh, for the Big Ten championship. And and I will certainly be a big underdog to whichever team it is. Uh, both of those teams uh, beat Iowa handily earlier in the season. Um, I would like to see uh, either of these matchups. To be honest, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't bet Iowa to win either of those games, but you know the the way that Iowa's defense handled uh, Ohio State early in that game, uh, despite those turnovers. I think Ohio State started uh, on the Iowa side of the field four times in that first half and got field goals out of all of them. Iowa had that uh, uh, sack and, and score by Deontay Craig uh, early in that game as well. Had Iowa not turned the ball over six or seven times in that game, had the had the offense been a little more competent, had the defense not had to kind of hold that back all. And then it finally, you know, the, the dam broke in, in the second half and, and Ohio State was off and running. I would have liked to seen that game as as more of a game at halftime and, and what that would look like in the second half. And and I'd like to see a, a rematch with Michigan. I mean, I didn't think this Michigan team was head and shoulders better than Iowa. I mean, they certainly dominated the line of scrimmage at times, but that, that wasn't a blowout. Iowa scored a, a late touchdown in kind of garbage time to make it look closer than it really was. But um, I, I, I don't expect a 43-7 to or whatever it was last year in Indianapolis win uh, by Michigan. And so... Um, I'm kind of cool with who whoever represents the East because again the world will be against Iowa the spread will be against Iowa uh, most people will pick the other team but uh, I would like to see this Hawkeye team go out there and, and at least make a game with, with either of these schools. Well, you know, there's still so many variables that can come into play. Okay, and and you know, uh, yeah, I mean Ohio State's better than us, and I and I honestly think Ohio State's quite a bit better than Michigan. Um, yeah, so. We'll, Let's just assume for a minute that we're going to play Ohio State, which is which is the likely the likely scenario right now. Um, you know, maybe the quarterback gets injured. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, there, there, there's ten things that can happen between now and then. Okay, uh, you know they're going to be overlooking us to a certain degree. They're not going to uh, take us 100 percent serious when a team, you know, kicks you at 54 to 10 or whatever that score was. They're not. They're, they're going to be overly confident, right? And and that's the exact kind of game that that Kirk and and our team like. Is it a long shot? Of course it is. It's it's a huge long shot, but not the biggest upset in the world. And and that's why you play the game. You know, there there, there can be upsets. Um, we could knock their quarterback out. Who's their second string quarterback? I don't even know. No, nope. right? I'm, I'm sure he's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know they 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 can have a couple three injuries uh, in the uh, Michigan game. That's going to be a huge game for them. Okay, the Michigan game, and 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 maybe there's a letdown a little bit after that game, and maybe somehow or another we stick around. Like you said, we, the score was nineteen to ten, I think, going into halftime. Yeah. If I remember right, and 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 then Spencer threw that horrible pass for an interception and. All of a sudden, it's 26, and there's no way we're coming back from being 16 down. And then we continue to turn the ball over left and right. And, you know, it was, just, it was our worst game of the year. Heck, probably our worst game in five years. I mean, it was just a terrible – it was just a terrible game for us. We just we just turned the ball over. We looked, we looked awful. And, um, 
you know, you don't you don't see us lose our cool, and you don't see us, uh, or you know, just you don't see us play like that very often. And so, I think with that with that experience, we will play better. Um, can we beat them? Probably not. You know, if you're going to bet on it, you're you're, you're certainly not going to pick Iowa. I think the biggest thing right now is is getting Laporta healthy. Yeah. And it sounds like he would be healthy for a Big Ten championship game. Um, you know, he's, we we, we got to have every <laughs> we got to have every bullet, you know, in the gun. We got every every weapon that's available for us, and and we we, we can't be without him and something like that. But you know, it's just sports. Crazy things happen. Hey, upsets. In in the last in the last what five five or six years, Iowa has beaten an Ohio State and a Michigan team team each ranked in the top five when when nobody expected it to happen. You're exactly right. This is why they play the games. Uh, Joe, jo, hey, I do have. One, yeah, yeah. I go ahead. Yep. I got one question for you. Where do you think we're gonna go if we lose the Big Ten championship game? Historically, that team has gone to the Rose Bowl. I can't imagine them taking us to the Rose Bowl, right? I can't either. But somebody we were talking the other day, I don't think the Rose Bowl is in you, – you probably know, and I guess that's why I started to put you on the spot. I don't think that the Rose Bowl is in the you know the playoff rotation. It is not this year, no. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, you right. Close, you play a close game with, close. with a, a top two Ohio State team? Maybe the Rose Bowl looks our way. I don't know. It'd be crazy, but but anyway, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they. I don't know how they pick that. I, just I, I don't either. Story. That'll be interesting. <laughs> it, it is. It is wild though, Jug, because because if Iowa wins that game, they're not going to the playoff, but they would go to the Rose Bowl. So Iowa, as we sit here today, believe it or not, is two wins away from a return trip to the Rose Bowl. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something else. I think I've seen. Uh, I think I've seen a couple of places has has Iowa slotted, uh, assuming a win over Nebraska and a loss in the Big Ten championship game. Has Iowa slotted back to Tampa in what was the Outback Bowl is now named after some you know cybersecurity rely quest. I think something like that. But regardless of the name of that bowl, that that's a fun trip. People will like that. People will get behind that. And and again, as you sat there in October and the sky was falling, if if I had told you then you're going back to what is essentially the Outback Bowl playing an SEC team on New Year's Day, uh, you'd sign up for that any moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, this team has had great resiliency, and we should be very proud of them. Well, we've done it again, Joe. We ran out of time before we talked to Iowa basketball. We'll have to do that uh, a week from now as, as we are hopefully talking about a, an eighth straight win over Nebraska, hopefully talking about another Big Ten West championship and a trip to the uh, the Big Ten championship game. Uh, the, the the Iowa men's basketball team playing really well right now. they got a couple of games this weekend, Friday against Clemson and then Saturday against either TCU or Cal. So we'll know a little bit more about this uh, now-ranked 25th team in the country uh, when, when you and I get back together next week and, uh, and the women have have a couple of games this week as well. They are now ranked ninth after that loss to to Kansas State. But we'll get more into that next week. And uh, and of course, we got that covered from all angles at all times at HawkeyeNation.com. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. And Joe, if people can't get to Kinnick Stadium, a sold-out Kinnick on Black Friday, and they're here in the Des Moines area, where do you think they should go to watch this, uh, this Heroes game? <laughs> we had a great group there for... Uh... For the uh, Minnesota game, we had an awesome time at the front row over on uh, Swanson, uh, like 100th and Swanson, right in that little strip mall there, uh, just just on the south side of Willis. It's a great place to watch a game. Your brother's best bartender in town. And uh, we had a huge Hawkeye thing. There's nothing in there but Hawkeye fans. They pipe the sound. See the broadcast in there. They play the fight song. They got back in black to start the game. It is as close as you can be to being a Kinnick uh, if you want to watch it in a bar. So I would highly recommend you go you go to the uh, the front row. It's the best place to be. This has uh, been a lot of fun, Joe. As always, if you missed any of this conversation, any of this show, check it out at the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Hawkeye Nation, and, uh, and we'll see you a week from now. Joe, thank you as always for the time. Give the people what they want. Give them a go, Hawks. All right, buddy. Go, Hawks.